Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Good morning. Surprise, it's not Ryan up here. Um, I'm Nicole Ponder, and I'm so glad to be joining with y'all this morning. I wish that I could say so glad to be seeing all of you, but um, I know you have tuned in, and I'm just excited to bring the Word of God into your homes this morning, and I can't wait until we're actually able to see each other again, and I get to hug my friends and worship together, and that's just something I'm really looking forward to. Um, there's this story about two women, two friends that were discussing biblical things. And one of them said, you know, I don't really think you know as much as you think you know about the Bible. And she said, I bet you that you can't say the Lord's Prayer. I bet you $10 you can't say the Lord's Prayer. So her friend said, you know what, I'm going to take that bet. She closed her eyes and she said, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I ask the Lord my soul to take. Her friend looked at her and said, Wow. She pulled the $10 out of her pocket and said, I really did not think that you would know the Lord's Prayer. And I know that's like such a corny like dad joke, but there's so much truth in it. There are so many misunderstandings that all of us have about prayer. It's no fault of our own. There's hundreds of thousands of books about prayer. There's loads of preachers and teachers and podcasts that talk about prayer. And so it makes sense that we have a little bit of a misunderstanding about what prayer really is. And perhaps even if we're in a church, we still have some misunderstandings. I grew up in a a church where we would quite often have three-hour prayer services. That was very normal for us. But even now, I'm still learning about prayer. And Happy Mother's Day to all you moms, including my mom. Um, I love you very much. I hope all of you are getting to enjoy your Sunday together. And I am so lucky to have had the type of mother who prayed. On a Saturday morning, she would often be known to start praying early in the morning. She'd go through the house and she'd be praying and singing. And I just couldn't understand it then. It was like, let me sleep in on a Saturday morning. I could not understand it. But as I get older, I start to understand it. But the thing is, is prayer is more about doing than just understanding. Just like salvation is more about feeling and letting it happen than trying to figure it all out. And I love understanding things. And Simply just to trust a process is sometimes difficult, you know. Um, It reminds me of this quote by Maya Angelou, and she says, If you don't like something, change it. And if you can't change it, well, change your attitude. As mature Christians, we have to change not only our perspective on prayer, but also our attitude. And this series that we've been in of Original Church is just a perfect place to start and be guided into mature 
life as a Christian and mature prayers. And this year, our vision has been maturing in Christ for the sake of the world. And y'all, the world feels a little crazy right now. Some days are filled with a lot of hope and joy. And then others, it's hard to find strength to connect with God or even connect with people. And I know I am not the only one that has felt this tension. There's quite a few people in our church community that I've chatted with who say it's like this many days. But a great place that we can pull from in order to feel peace and feel more centered is whenever it comes to prayer. And prayer is the key that unlocks heaven's power to be released on earth. You know, in scripture, Jesus didn't say, I want my house to be known as a house of great coffee or a house of great music and worship and lights and preaching. No. He said, I want my house to be called a house of prayer. And that's kingdom living. At City Beautiful, we often speak about wanting to bring the heavenly kingdom of God to earth right now. And the central scripture that we've been going through in this series points to that heavenly reality. Let's read Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking, and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. This little story in Acts comes at the end of the Pentecost story, right after the Holy Spirit had descended upon the church. They had just got done having a prayer meeting. In fact, the early church was birthed in the middle of a prayer meeting. And in that scripture, we realize that without teaching, we drift back to the culture we have come from. Without fellowship, we become isolated and can't sustain our own faith. Without the breaking of bread, Jesus' death and resurrection slip from the center of our active participation. And without prayer, we lose the connection between heaven and earth. Today I want to talk to you guys about prayer because it is the driving force behind all that the early church did. Following Jesus' ascension into heaven, the disciples returned to the upper room. And Luke records in Acts 1.14 that the very first activity the disciples did was that they joined together in prayer. From the very beginning of the early church, this confirms without a question that prayer was the foundation of the early church and is fundamental in who we are as maturing in Christ. Yeah, I, I know there's plenty of immature Christians that pray. There's no denying that. But I promise you will be hard-pressed 
to find an on-fire, mature, world-changing Christian who is not praying every day and praying without ceasing, as it's mentioned in 1 Thessalonians. And it's not like this non-stop type of prayer. It's not like you can't do anything, that you just have to sit in your house in your prayer closet and pray, I'm sorry, I can't visit with you, I can't fellowship, I can't break bread, I can't go to dinner, I've got to pray. It's not like that. My family has this saying, and I don't know if it's a good or bad saying, but we say, oh, those people are so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. And that's not how we want to be. It's not about how we're doing it, but it's about the posture of our hearts. We're not just saying a prayer. We're not just saying thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, send any thoughts and prayers, which in our culture is just permeated every conversation. Thoughts and prayers. It's so much more than that. It's about being in prayer at all times. For thousands of years, scholars have researched, wrote about, and discussed the effects of prayer. And most say it is the essential part of religion. And this is not just for Christianity. It's other religions as well. But prayer permeates our holy scriptures. In the book of Acts, there are 30 references to prayer alone. And that's more than any other New Testament book that we have. It's pretty important. Prayer precedes almost every major event of the early church. Prayer precedes the filling of the Holy Spirit, healings, it precedes bold preaching, and it's used as a comfort for persecuted believers. And speaking about persecution a little bit, you know, the early church really wrote the book on like disaster response and I wouldn't be surprised to say like that first chapter is all about prayer. If we look at the early church, they had just lost their leader. They were being persecuted. They could be arrested and killed and stoned at any time. They were hiding in their homes for most of the early part of the church. And I can't help but think about how so many of us right now are having to hide in our homes due to COVID and what's happening in this, this world. And while they were waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit, while they were hiding in their homes, God was doing something inside of their hearts. God was maturing them and preparing them for what was to come. So I just want us to think about who we are even becoming in the waiting right now. Right now we have a chance unlike any other to slow down, to speak to God, to listen, to pray. Now, we've all heard it. I've even heard friends say to me, Nicole, I just don't think prayer works. I mean, it doesn't change things. I mean, let's be honest. Look at a lot of the people in the first church. They ended up dead, okay? And in some cases, you might be right. There's a quote, and it's kind of cliche, but it says, prayer doesn't change God. It changes those who pray. And prayer doesn't just move God. It reveals something about who we are. 
So what is in our heart? Prayer reveals that. You look at who we pray for, what we pray for. It reveals our deep desires. And prayer should be our first response and not our last resort in situations. I think for a lot of people, myself included, I can get in a habit that I only use prayer whenever I'm under pressure. Or we go back to childhood prayers or repetitive, boring type prayers. We say we can't find time, we're distracted, answers just seem to never come and so we give up. And I get it, but that's not ideal. And not to demean myself or you, but we can't wait till conditions are perfect to begin. Just beginning is able to make the conditions perfect. And it doesn't matter where you are or what's going on in your life, just starting in prayer is the most important thing we can do. See, I believe in prayer. I know it works. I've witnessed it so many times in my life. But sometimes it's hard for me to behave with prayer the way that I should. We believe about prayer intellectually, but we have to practice it daily. God has this design that He wants to commune with us and be with us in prayer. And we can't find God's results outside of God's design. And so there's a few things that are in God's design that He wants us to know about prayer. And there's four things I want to touch on before I walk through a few practical steps in regards to prayer. So first, prayer connects us to God. That simple. It connects us to God. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he draws near to us. The truth is, is God is not distant. He's never been distant. He will never be distant from you. It's more often that we wander off. We have things in our life that are preoccupying us. We have fear. We have sin. We have just been worn down by life. And we draw away from God. But really, He's as close as the mention of His name. And I have found sometimes the most simple and most effective prayer we can say is just saying, Jesus. Because in that moment, we connect. And He knows already all the things that are in our heart, all the things we want to say to Him. But He wants us to acknowledge and say it to Him, Jesus. He wants to connect with us. I want us to pray like we are His. I talked to a few people about some questions they had in regards to prayer. And one thing that showed up quite a few times is they just feel like it's hard to be accepted by God. But He is our Father. He is our Father God. And we have been adopted into His family. And He wants a relationship with each one of us. He wants, he wants to talk to us and hear from us more than we even want to hear and talk to Him. Seriously, He wants to connect. 
He's not distant. He's not uninterested. He's not outstanding away from you. He's not standoffish. He's not standing in the corner pointing saying, oh, that one over there. She's just really, really got it wrong the past few days. He is not like that. He chooses you. He knows you. He knows your past. He knows your future. He knows all the in-between. And He still chooses you. And whenever we come to Him from a relational standpoint as Father God in prayer, we have the opportunity to once again choose Him as our Father. He says, don't grow faint. Pray and never lose heart. And I think maybe Jesus said this because he knew we would often give up too soon because we didn't feel the connection with him. But you got to look at it kind of like this. It's like a conversation. You don't sit down with someone and just tell them all this stuff and then be like, okay, thanks, good talk, and you get up. No, you sit there, you wait, you leave space. And that's what we have to do with God. Space to hear what he has to say. Space to feel what he wants us to feel. And he can't wait to hear from you. It's not like, hell, sorry, God. I, it's just, I know I talked to you about this yesterday, but I, I don't want to bother you. I know you're real busy. There's lots of other prayers. There's this whole COVID thing going on in the world. It's really, really distracting for me to come to you about this little thing I'm dealing with. No, that's not how he is. He wants to hear from each of us. He loves to hear from each of us. You know that he can handle it, right? Like he's got this on lock. There's no problem. Your prayer is not a burden to God. He says to bring our burdens to him, okay? He is in it for the journey with you. He is not just here for the destination. And prayer is a journey with Jesus. And prayer changes us. The prayers of the early disciples actually changed who they were and how they were known. They were once timid and afraid, secretive, embarrassed, ashamed. Some of the early disciples, as you know, even said, I don't know who that Jesus dude is. I have no idea who he is. And ran away. In Acts 4.13, it said that the disciples were called unschooled and ordinary men. That's, That's a pretty rough marker to put on somebody. It's not very nice to me, but then we see this flip. It's a a switch that was flipped after Pentecost and the Holy Spirit gave them boldness and power. For instance, in Acts 4, they had just been released from prison for healing a lame man and proclaiming Jesus. They went back to the church and to their people, probably back in the upper room or in someone's house, and they joined together to pray. They didn't try to stop and say, we just got arrested. They told us they're watching for us. They're coming after us. As soon as we step out of line, they're going to arrest us again. They didn't, they didn't do all that. They didn't stop and say, okay, we need to get two security guards that go with Peter and John everywhere they go. No, they stopped and they prayed. I want to read this prayer real quick out of Acts 4.23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. 
When they heard this, they raised their voice together and prayed to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The king of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed one? Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord... Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders throughout the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They said, Lord, consider what's going on. They didn't say, please change it. They spoke with great boldness in that moment when they could have had a lot of fear. Through their prayers, God changed them. He took wimpy people and turned them into bold, courageous, powerful people. By starting their prayer with praise and not panic, they were able to be changed, and they even changed the atmosphere in the room. They started with the word sovereign. Oh, sovereign God. And that word holds so much weight. It means supreme trustworthy, Lord. It actually means super rain. And we can see with that word how prayer reminds us that God is in control and that we are not. Prayer also prepares us. You often find that waiting and preparation go hand in hand. And most of us don't like waiting. We like things to come easily. We're all about that instant gratification in the moment. I think attention spans now have went all the way down to maybe six seconds. And I like planning. I love planning. I like planning a lot more than the execution of it. For example, you look at baking a cake. Um, people say, okay, I want a cake. So they get the eggs, they get their oil, they get their flour, they get their sugar, they get the pan, all that stuff, they're getting excited. But then they come to the oven and they get real frustrated with how long it's taking to heat up. They're doing the buttons, checking in it, turning on the light, all that stuff. And they get so frustrated with the preparation that they give up and they walk out the room. And I think that's how we are a lot of times with prayer. And mom, you're welcome for the baking analogy. Um, I'm not much of a baker, but I knew she would like that little reference. And we can't be like that. We have to allow the preparation and the waiting to come hand in hand. At the start of Jesus's, um, I'm sorry, at the start of Acts, Jesus tells the disciples that they need to go and wait. And they basically went and hid out inside of the upper room and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. In that time that they were waiting, God was preparing their hearts. He was preparing them. How are we allowing God to prepare us right now in our waiting? In the Old Testament, we see preparation and persistence in the life of Jacob. There's the story that he goes and he battles and wrestles it out with the angel for a blessing. 
And he said, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go till I get my blessing. And he got his blessing, but he also walked away with a limp. So just because we pray and battle it out on our knees and do the work that it takes to connect with God doesn't mean we aren't going to get up and walk away unscathed. We might walk away with a limp. Even though God is there with us the whole time and he's been there with us through it all, we still have problems. That's just how life is. That's how this world is. In Acts, though, they didn't pray that God would change their problems and get rid of them. They just said, please consider these things. So, prayer does not always fix things, but it always, always, always fixes our focus on Jesus. Prayer doesn't always fix things. If you think that you're going to say the prayers just the right way and do the rain dance just at the right time and stay on your face just long enough that it's all going to happen right, you're wrong. But that's where faith comes in. Faith isn't really truly faith until it's tested. Prayer doesn't always fix things, but it fixes our focus on Jesus. A few weeks ago, I shared um, how the Lord has given me that song about fixing our, our focus on Him. And it's called, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look in His wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. So right now, as you're preparing to say, okay, Nicole, I agree. I want to have a, a better prayer life. I want to connect more with God. I want to let it prepare me for, for life and for the things I'm going through. Remember just to fix your focus on Jesus. So there are a few practical steps um, of how to pray. Because a lot of people have questions about that as well. They don't know if they're doing it right. They're doing it at the right time. Are they supposed to head face towards the west or the east? You know, like all these questions that are normal and I understand why people would have questions. Um, our pastor, Ryan, teaches so well about silent prayer and contemplative prayer. And sometimes that is the case that no words are needed and we just need to listen to God. But today I want to touch on a handful of other practical ways that we can pray and that we can connect with God. So, okay, a few practical steps of how to pray. First, we are to pray earnestly, even when our words don't seem enough. Because our prayer doesn't have to always come from our mouth. It has to come from our heart. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It's not about the words we say. It's about the posture of our heart. 
And Luke, the Pharisee, who was a smart, educated, well-respected person, went to the temple and he was saying all of the, these words that people would have looked at him and he was a religious elite at the time. We think of Pharisees and often think about, oh, they're bad people. But honestly, they were really well-respected during the time that Jesus was alive. And he was saying all these really educated words and praying, and people would have looked to him for advice. But his heart was all jacked up. His heart was all jacked up and not in the right place at all. At all. And God didn't hear his prayer because of that. So God is not worried about our words he just wants our presence. He wants our heart to come into a natural conversation with Him. I've heard people say, I don't know how to pray. Like, I don't feel comfortable with it. I just don't know how to pray. Can you tell me how to pray? I want to learn how to pray like you. And probably in a little bit too sarcastic of a tone, I say, well, you're speaking to me right now, so... I think you know how to pray a lot more than you realize because it just needs to be a conversation. Just, you know, there are times and moments that you come to God in prayer in a more formal sense, um, in a liturgical sense here in the church. But that doesn't how, that's not how it has to be all the time. And maybe you just don't feel like you can utter the words. So you're praying in your heart. That's, that's wonderful. That's great. Or another thing that comes from the heart that's so earnest is journaling. And that's a beautiful thing, just writing to the Lord your heart and how you're feeling. And sometimes say, not saying a single word is exactly what we need to do too. So we pray with prayer, with praise and thanksgiving. Let me say that again. <laughs> we pray with praise and thanksgiving, and it fixes our attention on Him. The story in Acts 16 is a perfect example of this. Some might be familiar with it, others may not be. It's when Paul and Silas are in prison. Familiar story being in prison for a lot of the people in the early church, right? And they started singing and praising God. They were worshiping him for all he was doing and singing out to him with thanksgiving in their heart. And suddenly, the shackles fell off. The, the door of the jail opened up. You know, we have so many scriptures that let us know that we are to first come to God with thanksgiving. Psalms 104 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Uh... Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice, sing. Coming to the Lord, even singing your thanks and your praise is a form of prayer. A lot of times that's what I do. I, I like to say that I try to live in a life of prayer, not just have a moment or a time for prayer. And sometimes that's just me singing to the Lord, whether it's a song that, you know, is well known or it's just something I've come up with and put a little tune to it. That is a form of prayer. We don't have to be in a certain posture to pray. We also don't have to have certain words that we always understand. Because we are to pray in the Spirit, 
and allow God to move through us. The day of Pentecost in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit came on the people with the evidence of tongues, this allowed for a new form of prayer where the Spirit of God was praying through His people. In 2 Timothy, it says, to stir up the gifts you've been given. He often speaks about the gift of prayer and the prayer language in Scripture as a gift for all. He goes on to write in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what it is that I am saying. Science now, they're saying, even is having a greater understanding of praying in the spirit. Um, I don't know if it's MRIs or CT scans, but one of those scans is showing in the brain, especially in the frontal lobe, that there is a difference in our brains between when we are singing, when we are meditating, and whenever we're praying in tongues. And listen, I get it. It's a little funky, it's mysterious. Even for someone like me, who has been exposed to the gifts of the Spirit and praying in tongues since a very young age, it's still a little bit mysterious. And I pray in my personal life in tongues almost on a daily basis, a prayer language that is a gift from God. And that is one of the main ways that a person would pray in the Spirit, but it's not the only way. Have you ever had a moment that you've been praying with someone or even just talking to someone and suddenly you lose track of your words, even kind of what you're saying, and you feel something come over you, and then you, whenever you're done, you're like, wow, that was the Holy Spirit just speaking through me. That's when the, the Spirit speaks through you to, to encourage someone else. That is also a form of praying in the Spirit. I'm going to close with a practical tool that is an oldie but a goodie. When we pray the Word, we pray His will. So, sometimes... It is very hard to sense His presence. There's so much outward issues that we all are dealing with. External pressures, jobs, families, sickness, the weather. It's very hot in Florida. You're, you're super sweaty. It's hard to get into the presence of God. I'm going a little off there. But it makes sense that sometimes it's hard to get into His presence. But we always have his word, and that's not hard to get into. Like, literally, I have my phone here. I have my iPad here. There's a Bible over there. We have such great access to the word at our fingertips. And there is no way that any of us can go wrong when we pray the word of God. We aren't going to put our own personal spin on the word of God. We aren't going to read something out of the Word of God and it be wrong. We don't have to worry about not praying the will of God because if you're praying the Word of God, it is the will of God. We don't have to be concerned about the actual words of our mouth. We know it is His will, whatever we pray out of Scripture. 
So Psalms is a wonderful place to start. When Jesus prayed during his time on earth, um, it would have often been a Psalms, and we do see that uh, in the in the New Testament. And of course, we know Jesus prayed a lot more often than what we have evidence of in our books. But this is a very common practice for Jews. And as you know, Jesus was a Jew. And I was also raised praying other portions of Scripture even. For instance, Ephesians 6, which is often called the armor of God. Almost every morning of my life, my mother and father would pray that over my sister and I. And believe me, like it had hand movements and stuff. Like we're putting on the armor of God, the helmet of salvation. Like it's wonderful. And you know what? As an adult, I still do it almost on a daily basis. Maybe not with the hand movements and all of that, but in my heart at least. But Psalms is a great place to focus and look at, um, especially when we're getting started with this practice. Um, I'll sometimes pray the day of the month. That's like a real easy one. Or I'll go forward 10, 20, or 30 days from whatever day it is. So say it's uh, May 10th, you open it up, and you're like, I don't know how to even deal with that one. How would I pray that one? So you go forward 10 days, or you go forward 20 days, or 30 days. And the Psalms has so much Spirit-inspired words of God that we can pull from. The Psalter is so full of the Spirit-inspired words of God, and it was given to us by God to speak about God, and then also to speak to God. Going back to the second century, Augustine of Hippo said about the Psalms that our school for people learning to pray. If the Psalms prays, you pray. If it laments, you lament. If it exalts, you rejoice. If it hopes, you hope. If it fears, you fear. Everything written here is a mirror for us. There's so much more regarding prayer, and this is just kind of a crash course, especially keeping the original church at the center of it. And these are patterns and principles that we can use in our life. And I hope that you are able to take some of these patterns and principles and put them into your prayer life. You know, probably out of all of this, I would have to say there's really, you'll be hard pressed to find anything that is the wrong way to pray. You'll also be hard pressed to find too many things that are like, this is the exact right way to pray. There's no question. It's perfect. God is going to hear you and he is going to listen to you and you're going to have this miracle and this great life and a husband and babies and your parents are going to be healed. Like, we don't have that, but we have faith in God and the mystery that comes with our salvation and with our prayer life and the mystery that comes through Him and trusting in Him. And so this morning, um, I want to leave you with a little example of praying a psalm. Now, I'm not saying that this is the only way or the right way. It's just an example of utilizing this altar. Whenever we do this, we bring our heart together to what's on the page. So if you do this exact same uh, psalm, yours will look a little bit different, and that's, that's fine. I'll just allow the psalm to direct my prayer. 
and I'm taking an old psalm and a very familiar psalm, but I'm making it new and personal. So we're going to look at Psalms 23, and I'm going to pray it this morning. is my shepherd I shall not want Lord I thank you that you are my shepherd that you guide me and that because of you I have everything I need in my life Lord I do not lack I do not have want my family is led by you and is guided by you, God. I ask you to be the good shepherd of my heart, of my loved ones. I ask you to be the good shepherd of City Beautiful. Jesus, all the things in my life that I feel like I might have won't remind me that because you are my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. Lord, you restore me. You lead me by waters where I can rest and I can be refilled and I can be revitalized, Lord Jesus. In the times of life that, that I want to just push through and I want to keep going, I thank you for saying no. Here is a time that you need to take. You need to drink from these waters. You need to rest and you need to wait for me. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Lord, I thank you that your name has been exhibited to me for my whole entire life and that there is a path that you have set in front of me, a path of righteousness, Lord. And I thank you that even though at times I may have strayed, Lord, that you are the good shepherd and you have helped me go back onto that path of righteousness, Lord. Lord, I ask that you keep me and my family and my loved ones on this path and that we continue to stay on this path for your name because you are worthy of it all, Jesus. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, God. Lord, there's valleys of life that all of us go through. There's a valley of life right now that I'm going through, Lord, with my family. And I know that you are with us. And you say, even though death surrounds us, death surrounds me right now in this, in this world, God, with this sickness, with this disease that our, our world is fighting against. But I am reminded that it is just a shadow of death, that you are not death. You will not allow death because in you, even though we may die, we truly live, God. And I will fear no evil because I know you are with me, God. I thank you for comforting me and being with me during this time, God. You have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The world is hostile, Jesus, but I thank you because you are so good. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Lord, just as a shepherd pours oil to protect the head of his sheep, to keep flies away and as a healing ointment, God, I ask that you anoint me with your word, that you continue to anoint me with your word. You anoint my family and my friends and my loved ones with the oil of gladness. Right now, God, you know it's a hard time. You know that this, this whole world needs you 
because you are the only one where true answers can be found, God. And so I pray that your oil anoints all of us with gladness and joy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, I thank you that your goodness and your mercy has followed me. It continues to follow me. It chases me down. It finds me whenever I am far away. And it it leads me into life. It leads me into your house, God. And I thank you for that. And I bless this house right now, Lord. You dwell not only in the house of our hearts, God, but you dwell here in this building. And I cannot wait till we are able to be together to worship you again in this house. In your name I pray, Lord. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.